Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. All God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Okay, we're going to finish the book of Romans later this year. So we just finished 11 through 12. We'll get back to that. We like breaks in between as we go through one of the books of the Bible. But we're st- today, it's kind of a different message, and it's kind of an encouraging time as we relook at some of those groups that he just talked about. My heart is for each one of you, our hearts, is to get plugged in somewhere into one of these groups. And so we're going to give scripture reasons for joining those groups. I want to persuade you to get involved in something in one of those groups. God isn't interested in rugged individualism as our, um, our society promotes and parades around as a pinnacle of success. I, too, subscribe to the John Waynes and the, and the um, other heroes of uh, television and movies. But that isn't God's plan for you. His plan has always been community, not anonymity. Community and not anonymity. Someone has said that the Trinity, Trinity is community. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine wives, husbands being in perfect harmony with your spouse like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is? Where you never disagree on anything at all. And your kids come in perfect alignment with everything you want them to do. They're saying, yes, Mom and Daddy, I've already wanted to do that. Can you imagine living in that kind of community? Well, that's God's plan Heaven, by the way, is a community. The angels have community. The church has community. And I want to tell you that small groups are practicing community. Our small groups is an important institution, just like the family is. The family is one of the most important institutions on the face of this earth, and all the world's guns are pointing at the foundation of this institution, trying to tear it apart. Just as kids need the family, the mom and dad, the home, you need small groups from the larger family, the church. It is desperately needed. Small groups are about developing authentic relationships with God and others. A typical small group gathering will have time for conversation. We'll get to know you. I want to get to know you. When I just got saved and was still insecure, I I, I didn't want to really get to know you. And I didn't want you really to get to know all about me because you didn't want to know what was inside of me. So I talked a lot. And then God said, okay, since you talk a lot, I'm going to make you a preacher. (laughs) Now, that's not the way it happened. (laughs) But um, as you develop in your faith with God, you become secure. And then you want to know about other people and how you can make them feel secure in their faith with God. And that's what small groups are about, getting to know you, getting connected. But other things happen in those groups, growth, spiritual growth, and even 
even experientially, you grow. Connections are made. Needs are met. You're loved and cared about. And one of the saddest commentaries on our society today is they're trying to desensitize us to these things by making it impossible to go visit our loved ones in the hospital. Those small groups are extremely important. Our community is extremely important. People want to touch. They want to hear your voice. They need some hugs, and they need some love. That happens in small groups. Acceptance. I don't care who you are, what you look like. You're allowed in our groups. But remember, when you come to a group, God wants to change you. We accept anybody that will come to our group. Just make sure you take a bath before you come to our group, okay? <laughs> if the homeless come to our group, you, they can come the first week. Just shove them in the shower and come, let them come back out. I'll throw them in my pool like I did my dog the other day. He rubbed his face in crap, and I just threw him in the pool and rubbed his face to my wife's dismay, and he got out, and he's scared of me ever since. She's scared of me ever since. The dog, the dog that is. Marriages are saved in small groups. Because, you see, the enemy wants to isolate you and act like you're the only one going through that problem. You're the only one that's ever committed that sin. You're the only one that can't communicate with your spouse well. You're the only one that don't, can't corral your children. That you get in those groups and you pick up some tips on how to do a better job. You experience life together. So I want to begin with... Um, Revealing to some of these groups that you can get involved in. The first group I call the Berean groups. How many ever heard that word Berean? Some of you may not know that looking in online or here this morning. Berean is basically a city. Paul was traveling, establishing churches all over the place. And then he went to Thessalonica. And as was his custom, he would go to the Jewish synagogue, the first place he would go to. And then many heard the good news that the Messiah had already come and they could put their faith in him and they could receive eternal life. But then when a lot of the Jewish people saw what was happening, uh, they began to stir up trouble. And so he had to get out of Thessalonica and then he had, they went to, the, to the Berea, somewhere in Greece. And the, the scripture picks up with this, this group of people that were in Berea and the scripture teaches us in Acts 17, 10. It said, as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went again to the Jewish synagogue, just like he did in Thessalonica. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. In these small groups, people want to get to know God. You aren't to take my word or any preacher on television or any church that you visit. You aren't to take them at their word. You're to listen to what they have to say. The Spirit of God will probably confirm what they're saying is true. If you're confused, go home and study the Scripture yourself like the Bereans did. We have some small groups here in this church that are Berean groups. The Scripture reminds us that we need to hunger for God's word. 1 Corinthians 3. Paul reminds the believers who should be adults by now, 
like some of your kids, you know, they're 11 and 12, 13 and 14. And how many times have I said to my grandbabies, quit acting like a baby when they're about 13, 14 years old or 9 or 10? Well, the scripture says that about us at times. He said, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? And Hebrews kind of complements this, Hebrews chapter 5. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're so slow to learn. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God or God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So these groups are, are, are some groups that they like to dig in God's word and, and give you truths to help you become righteous men and women. One of those groups we just mentioned a while ago is the Latin group. On our, our heartbeat of this church is to reach all people for Jesus Christ. And we realize one of the major ethnic groups in South Florida is the Latin community. And so years ago, we tried to start a Latin church, and the, the person kind of broke off and didn't want to be a part of this church. They wanted their own. So Javier is leading that group. He gets into the Word of God on Friday night. So if you know anybody in the community, those who speak Latin, your moms and dads perhaps do not speak much Spanish, or you've just come over from another country, there's a good place to plug in. They're going to study the Word of God. They're going to be Bereans. And then, of course, uh, the, the Bible comes alive. You heard about that, the Cassidy's and the McConnell's. They're going to lead that group. It's called The Bible Comes Alive. Isn't it amazing? There's a passage, Hebrews 4.12, that talks about that. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. So that's on a Tuesday. You can get plugged in. He likes to go deep. They like to go deep into God's word and give you truths that will transform your lives. I don't want to be on milk. I want solid food. I'm a beef guy. I'm not a salad and soup kind of guy. I'm not a vegetable guy. <laughs> meat and potatoes is what we grew up on. Bread, meat, and taters. Then there's the foundations of faith. They give you the truths of God, Bob and Letty. They lead this group. 2 Corinthians 13.5 reminds us, examine yourself, see if you're in the faith. By the way, some people visit churches or are looking online. They're not yet in the faith. We welcome people to come to our small groups that are not yet in the faith. But those who are in the faith, you need to examine and test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And so this group kind of answers questions like, are you saved? 
and they examine the doctrine of salvation. Have you been baptized? People get saved. My son called me last night and said someone that we were working on when we go play volleyball on, on Sunday afternoons and in his neighborhood, he has block parties and then he has a Bible study group that meets at his house. They don't, they just, they call it the dinner group, but the worldly people call it the church group. And, and they, they may mention and drop a golden nugget about God for four, four years later. Someone's, finally the walls are coming down and he said, someone that we've been witnessing to got saved. And now the next step is, hey, you need to be baptized. He's going to be talking to him about that. And then who is Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit? I never learned those things. Do I have to face judgment now now that my sins are forgiven? Christian, you do not have to face judgment. Good news, flashing bulletin. You will not be judged for your sin. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That ought to make you want to do one of these and shout and do a couple flips on top of it. No more judgment, no more hell, no more condemnation. You learn about that in God's word because the enemy's going to bombard your brain with, oh, now that, now that he doesn't have you anymore, he makes you doubt. What happens after I sin? Or what happens after I get saved and I sin? What is justification, sanctification, and glorification? You'll learn things like that. And when is Jesus coming back? Those are kind of some of the things that you'll learn when you go to Bob and Letty's class on a Wednesday. I believe that's taking place when they do the foundations class. Okay, how about the men? Well, a lot of these groups could come under men, but there are two specifically. But before we get there, I think it's time for men to stand up and be counted for because the world is sissifying men. I do not see the the good godly macho men on television except those that play football. You know, this college time, so I see those guys out there. Those are guys are some real men. And, and let me tell you something. I see these actors, and they're like, oh, hey, you know, I, this. And, and I'm not trying to imitate a certain group of people. I'm just talking about they're sissifying guys. And, and so we need to, to, to mold and make men. Our society is dumbing down dads, and, and they're making women brave. Well, I, we do have some brave women, okay? We do have some brave women in the church. Amen? Amen. Okay. Okay, not too loud, girls. Keep it down. <laughs> By the way, those who started the New Testament church are brave men and women. Like men and women who started this country, who signed the Declaration of Independence, they spilled their blood, that many gave up their wealth, many gave up their homes, and they gave up their lives so that you and me could live in freedom. Guess what? The New Testament church was started the same exact way. Men and women gave up their careers, they lost their jobs, they got kicked out of the community, out of the synagogues, and they spread the gospel everywhere they went, and those founding fathers, everyone except one, gave their life, and they spilt their blood so we could have the New Testament church. Amen? Praise God for that. They're trying to do the same thing today. They're trying to do the same thing to us today, and people are paying a price for that, and we need small groups more than ever. We desperately need to raise up real men. Well, we have Bob's class and Steve's class which on Sunday morning. Listen, some of you have busy schedules. You can't take off during the Listen, when I raised my family, I did not want them to be at church all the time. That was back in the day when we went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday school. We went to church. We went home. 
came back for discipleship training, went to church. On Tuesdays, we knocked on doors for visitation. On Wednesday night, we had services. On Saturdays, I knocked on uh, doors and apartment doors and trailer parks to gather all the children. And, and then on Sunday morning, got up early and picked them all up in a bus. That was my week, and I was working full time. How in the world are you going to win your neighbors to Jesus Christ? How in the world are you going to raise your own children to love Jesus Christ if you're down at a building all the time? That is not God's view of a New Testament church. He wants you to be home raising your own kids in the Lord Jesus Christ. So some of you have a job to do at home. And so Sunday morning may be the only time that you can be a part of a group of women or men. And there is a men's study at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning with Bob and Steve. Then I'm leading a group on Saturday morning. Almost all my life, I've always asked men to get out of bed early. Don't take time away from your wife and your children. And come and get with other men as we talk about the issues of life and get in God's word. And I call that Operation Timothy. We're doing that. We actually already started, and we meet every week. So some groups meet, and, and there's a time frame for that, and that's good. Just like the men and women meet every week, there are some groups that are meeting every week. So if you want to become a part of that, this is a little bit of what it's about. Operation Timothy is a time-tested discipleship resource tool that will guide a man to learn more about God and how to be the man of God he designed them to be. This is a benefit to his work, his family, and relationships. Operation Timothy is based on First and Second Timothy, where the Apostle Paul mentored young Timothy. Paul trained Timothy to train others. 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 2, we get a little clue of that. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, of our Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. When you lead someone to Christ, you become their daddy. He called Timothy his son in the faith. And then in verse 18, Timothy, my son, Timothy, my son, even though it wasn't his real son. I give you these or this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to the faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. So our job is as, as Paul's, we want to raise up some Timothys to be real men. And then we want to encourage, of course, the Pauls. And then Jacob's going to start off with the young men. I think their ages between, uh, is it uh, two and eight? Was it Jacob? Or on Saturday morning? I'm sorry, I got the wrong Jacob. He's 18 and about 27, 30. He's going to be meeting with them on Saturday morning or Tuesday morning. Actually, Tuesday morning, very early. So guys, listen, when you want to grow spiritually, just like you want to go to games or you, you make, you make uh, ways so you can be at a, a game that you want to be at, an event that you want to be at, to play a sport that you want to be at, spend the money on that sport. Well, listen, get up a little bit early and be with other guys that are in the same ball game that you're in and receive the encouragement and instructions that you need. In those groups, a lot of things take place. Grown men whose marriages were on the rocks 
relationships, on their jobs with their bosses. We talk about those things. Help is given. So Jacob's going to be doing that. Ephesians 5.25 talks a little bit about what he will be doing. He'll be helping. Girls, you'll be glad. Ladies, you'll be glad to send your men to these groups. Husbands will be teaching them. Love your wives. All the ladies said, hey, amen. Your husbands must be doing a good job because the ladies, you know, didn't have to say amen on that, right? Husbands are loving their wives perfectly. Amen. Okay. That was a guy that said that. (laughs) You're supposed to say amen. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, what woman wouldn't mind being submissive to that kind of man when we get to the word submissiveness? The woman's role. If a guy is behaving that way. And he said... Make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives in their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. When you're coming to men's group, girls, we're not talking, we're not going to say how bad the wives are. We, there may be a little bit of conversation about the trouble. But we're going to take God's word and we're going to remind ourselves how we're to be with our wives. Unlike being involved in another club in the world where they, you know, my old lady, old hag, you know, and they spit on the ground. Those guys talk about things like that. How terrible their wives is. That's not what we do in our home groups and small groups. We build up the wives. And so you'll be glad that your man is getting up early on a Saturday morning or a Tuesday, go into that group, or on Sunday morning. And then Timothy 5, 1 through 2, reminds some of the other things that will teach the young men. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. So it teaches young men how to, to treat uh, the older people. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. These are some of the things that we, we teach these men when they come under our, our, our authority or under our shepherding. So please, plug in to one of these groups, guys. Too many men, when the enemy isolates you, that's when you're living in sin and you don't expose it and then you live defeated lives. We just sang a little while ago how you can pick yourself up from the ashes and defeat the enemy. That's the miracles that we're talking about because the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're able to nip in the bud anything that tries to make you a slave again to sin. The word of God can, can set you free. Ladies, oh, you know I was going to get around to you, ladies. There's some ladies groups that meet, yes. Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Those are some of the things I think that's going on in the ladies' group. Is that true, ladies? Okay, because I'm not a part of those groups. I tell you what, I always share this story that I remember when I first began to be turned on to Jesus. I knew nothing about Jesus. And I saw a girl, and I didn't see her outside beauty. I can't tell you whether she was beautiful or not. But I always remember meeting her in the parking lot, and she just glowed with the glory of God. I said, God, I got to have some of that. She's got something I don't have. I didn't know what she had that I needed, 
But God must have answered that sinner's prayer. And pretty soon he began to bump me into people to tell me what she had inside of her. Please, you look more beautiful, ladies, when Christ shines in you. Your light and your salt. It's not the outward beauty that God is impressed with. It's the inside. And then First Peter reminds us a little bit more about, I believe, what the women are teaching. Or at least you're going to hear here in the services. But I believe they'll be teaching in the small groups, ladies. And guys, you'll be glad. So make sure you babysit the kids so the girls can go off and be a part of these small groups. First Peter 3, 1 through 6. Wives, oh, the girls can't wait to come to these small groups and hear this. Be submissive to your husband. Oh, you, you guys, I can see you just running like cattle to the pen to hear all this. Well, but, but again, remember, I put the guys first. If we behave in the way we're supposed to behave and love you like Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church, no girl, no woman, no wife is going to have a problem unless she's living in sin, being submissive. It says, if any do not believe the word that your husbands, may they be won over without words by the behavior of the wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. Isn't that just the opposite message of the world, of what makes you beautiful? They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. I'm not saying around, say you should go around and saying master, but if you want a brand new car, I would try that. <laughs> you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give away to fear. So you, you see, these are some of the things that they talk about, guys, when they, because I trust these ladies who are in charge of these groups that they're going to preach the word of God. Then Titus 2, 3 through 5. It says, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. These are, again, things that we learn in the group. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. You aren't going to get that in school, in the workplace, but you'll get it in small groups. Proverbs 14, 1 again, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands the foolish will tear or tears her down. What are those groups? Well, Sunday morning we have Letty's group has been encouraging people for years and years to walk in this manner. Remember, you know, we always, always think, we talk about the big sins, I call it the fab three, you know, drugs, sex, and alcohol. But when you go to Proverbs, it teaches you so much about six things I hate, seven are detestable unto me. There are so many sins that we can be entangled with. Unforgiveness, we mentioned this morning. Bitterness, how you talk about your spouse, how you talk about your husband. There are so many 
things that we need to be untangled and be set free of. And the ladies talk about such things. And then we have a, another, we actually had a group, but now we have a new, a new uh, uh, sponsor, a new, uh, I call it shepherding, Venice, who's going to be leading the life group from 19 to 27. That's going to be on Tuesdays, but it's not going to conflict with the, the women that are around that same age and a little bit older. With uh, Cheryl, my wife, she'll be leading the Women's Titus Two group. These girls, again, are a part of, of, of building up these girls. Now, let me tell you something. Um, not only in the men and the women and in the church and in the small groups, listen, we're sinners that are being sanctified. Don't expect your groups to be perfect and don't think that we become immoral because someone comes in your group and behaves immoral. We're sinners that got saved. And while we're saved, God wants to sanctify us to be more like him. If those people don't want to change, they're going to be uncomfortable and they're not going to want to hang out with you. So invite the sinner to the group, and then sometimes there is sin in the group, and we deal with those things in a loving way. We try to deal with it in the same way that God deals with you and me. So again, don't think that your group is supposed to be perfect, or I'm out of here because my group's not perfect. Well, just take a look in the mirror once in a while, okay? Look in the mirror and look at yourself, and look what God does with you. Treat other people the way you want God to treat you. Amen? So just remember that in a church it's not perfect, in the small groups it's not perfect, but we're going to do our best as leaders to try to work with those people. We've had some things happen in the last year or two. Don't indict the whole church because of the behavior of some few people. Remember that. Or don't judge a group because of that. What's bad is that something's going on in a group and people keep their mouth shut. I heard one time there was a small group, and I believe it was actually an officer, that was having an affair. And the group knew about it and who they were having an affair with in the church, and they said nothing about it. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where the church was proudful because, oh, we're not judging anybody. You can live any lifestyle you want. You can do anything you want. See, Jesus loves the sinner. Grace, 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 grace. And they said nothing. They were furious, that couple, when they found out about it, that they were having an affair. And they said nothing. And the church said nothing. Well, let me tell you something. This is a church in love. In love. We show grace, just like I want God to show grace to me. But eventually, when you live that kind of life, you have to step down from your positions. So we practice, in a loving way, church discipline. Mm. That doesn't happen too often in the church at large. Because we got a lot of people, pastors and leaders, that are afraid to. We're not here to win friends and influence people. We're here to see the saved lost and to disciple the saved. Amen? So these women tackle these subjects. Now what about couples? Oh, we could say so much about couples. There is a place for couples. My, again, I have a passion for everybody in the church. But I see couples under attack. Oh, my goodness. My heart does break for what's happening in our marriages. Our family's under attack. You know, when getting a divorce, if someone gets a divorce, do you know how long the marriage lasts after they get divorced and get remarried? And, and most cases, and they're all different cases, seven years. We always think the grass is greener somewhere else. Couples need help tweaking their marriages. They need someone to talk to. 
all marriages have challenges, problems, troubles. In a group setting, they gain wisdom and insight. All that can be given to help them navigate these challenges before they give up and quit. 67% of second marriages do not work out. So quit looking over there and thinking you could be married to someone that's better. The third marriage, 74% do not work out. Getting a divorce is not the answer. If you could just understand how divorce is one of the most selfish things you can do. Now, I want to pause and put a pause button on here. Remember, we're a ministry of good news. If you're here and you've ever been divorced, there might be a lot of good reasons and bad reasons. God will forgive you. It's not the unpardonable sin. But like a judge, he would never be able to judge if he had to be perfect. And so I need to teach God's standard while understanding there's grace when you mess up, okay? But we need to understand the impact that it has on the children. They will go through life with wounds. It's one of the reasons Band of Brothers exists. They deal with all the wounded men. Now, they could have a band of girls, and the same thing would happen. The women who have wounds, and they never deal with it. Praise God, he helped me early on deal with my wounds. I would not have been affected because there were so many. Many of you come to your marriages with wounds that have never been dealt with. You need to deal with those things. Even if you get counseling, it's not bad to go see a counselor. So there are some groups that will help with that. Will help. And it isn't all gloom and doom. There's exciting things to share, things to talk about. I mean, I think about my wife and I, when we dated, we broke up about 15 times while we were dating. No one would have think we would succeed at all. If it, and we can tell you absolutely for sure with a straight face. It's because of Jesus Christ and our, our allegiance to him and our dedication to him that every time we looked at the problems, his word would help us learn how to deal with those problems. And here we'll be married 40 years in January. Praise God. And I give God the praise for that. So many things I wish I knew then that I know now. I've said that to her so many times. And, and it's not just guys. You know, guys always throw themselves under the bus. Both of us are at fault. I grew up with five other brothers. We fought and talked about everything and debated about everything under the sun. You would think we're always fighting, but we weren't. And my wife, she grew up in a peaceful, quiet little place all by herself on a farm where neighbors were no one around. And the only time she almost got paddled, the dog jumped up and told Daddy, don't you ever paddle that girl again because he tried to bite his hand. And she grew up in that world. So when we, when we debated, she thought we're in a fight. I go, we're not in a fight. We're just having a good time. <laughs> so with the, the communication, and there's so many things we have to work through. I bought a tennis racket. One tennis racket that was 110 bucks where we were living in a trailer, going to school and working two jobs. It was like it was the worst sin in the world, like I killed someone. You bought a $110 tennis racket. We barely have a salad and, and soup on the table. We almost ended up in divorce. I had my first drink of wine with her. I'm a Baptist. I never drink wine. I, go, my, I grew up drinking wine at the dinner table. Come on. She packed her bags and was ready to leave the house 
at my house. You don't embarrass me in front of my family, my Greek family. No, that's a no-no. Who's going to divorce me over a little glass of wine? I survived. (laughs) I still enjoy a glass of wine. (laughs) And there's many things that I did, too, and I'm not going to tell you what those are. I still remember going down the hallway, our worst fight we ever had, it seems like. We're going down the hallway. We have a cat. I can't stand cats. Anybody can't stand cats? Oh, how many are cat lovers? Oh. And so uh, this cat puts his back end on everywhere, including the kitchen counter. Don't let a cat put their back end on the kitchen counter, just like I didn't want my dog rubbing his face in that stuff, right? And so he got thrown in the pool. Not the cat, not the cat. So, so it's late at night, and, and, and she keeps taking the food, which is on the table counter, and I took the food and put it by the front door. It went back and forth like two little kids. She put it up there. I took it up, put it down there. She put it up there. I moved it back down. That, this is literally what happened. No cat in its hair and its back end sitting on the counter where I eat food. Come on. So finally... I put it back down, and we're walking. I have a glass of water. We're walking by each other in the narrow hallway. And she went like this or something like that. And I went like this, and the cop dropped and splashed. she went to hit me. I grabbed her, backed her up into the room, closed the door, and I ran out of the house. I was afraid of myself (laughs) over a little cat. And my son woke up the next morning and said, are you guys getting a divorce? They heard their argument in the room. Oh, my goodness, we could tell you horror stories, but through Jesus Christ, it is the absolute truth. Through Jesus Christ, her allegiance to Christ, my allegiance to Christ, and it is an allegiance that he helped us survive all those problems. And that's why those small groups are necessary. One of the small groups we'll start off with is a, with a little video series. It will be on Wednesday right now. It depends if you have kids or not, whether we visit my home or we have it here at church. So it depends who signs up. By the way, this is not a popularity contest. I'd rather have a few good people that I can train and equip than have a bunch of people who care less to just want to hobnob. This is, when you go to a group, it's not about a popularity contest. Go to a group that fits your need at this time in your life. We're going to study a video series called, um, I forgot the name of it, but it, 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 no, it, it, it basically talks about what if God designed marriage to make you holy rather than happy? Oh, well, I just found people that they just signed off. No, I don't want that. I want to be happy in my marriage. But if you're holy first then you'll be happy. And that's what we're going to talk about for six weeks. So if you want to come, that w- you can come be a part of it. I know Matt, the, a whole group we used to meet in my house, now Matt and his wife, uh, Ava, they meet in the church. After church on Sunday, they have about 15, 16 people that meet in a group. Right afterwards, they are a couple's uh, group, and they will be doing the same thing, encouraging couples, strengthening couples so that they can... Um, be examples to other couples, okay? So he's going to be leading that group on Sundays, and mine will be on Wednesday. Now remember what the Bible says about marriage a little bit, just Genesis 2. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall in a deep sleep, and when he While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up 
the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. He woke up and said, whoa, men, that's woman, that's, that's her name. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. By the way, remember that, leave mom and daddy, leave, leave. And be united to your spouse or your wife in this case. And then you'll become one. And this is something we don't talk about enough, that you are one. Like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. In fact, Jesus said, the Father lives in me, and I live in him, and I live in you. We don't talk about oneness much. What does it mean, one flesh? Well, we'll learn a little bit about that. But then we'll learn some things about what Proverbs 22, 6 tells us. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not return from it. Listen, I grew up in a day and age where discipline was a god in my home. My dad was an army guy, a paratrooper. He was a tough guy. He could beat all six of us boys up at one time. He did. He tried it one time and almost drowned us in the pool. <laughs> my dad was a tough hombre. He's, he's gotten out of the car and punched two young people in the nose. that gave him a problem. I mean, he's, that was that kind of guy. And so when my dad said something, you did it on report card day in the Catholic school. I mean, you got use in conduct. Oh, you were in trouble. You got S satisfactory, use in conduct. And then we'd all line up in a row. If you got D's on your report card or U's or S's, my dad had a wooden paddle like this. And he'd put you over his knee and pow, boom, pow. I think he learned how to, you know, play the drums a little bit because he had six of us coming down the row. You wanted to be the last one because he was worn out by the time he got to the sixth boy. We had to study two hours a day, a day, every single day when we came home from school if you got a D or a U in conduct. Discipline was a God in our home. A lot of it was good. And then we grew up, I learned a lot by falling in love with Christ. We learned, I got a better handle on to do the same discipline my mom and dad gave me, but do it in a better way. Do it in love. And, of course, nobody does it perfectly, but I learned a lot from my family what to do and not to do. Today, I'm telling you, as I watch families, they're not disciplining their kids. The Bible says, you spare the rod, you spoil the child. If they don't respect mom and daddy, they're not going to respect authority everywhere. And there's too many people in God's house that are in charge of God's house, and they don't discipline their kids. And the Bible says you should not be leading a small group, nor should you be leading in a church if you can't get your kids under control. Now, when they leave home, we're not necessarily responsible for that because if you've trained them the right way, not everyone's going to be perfect. And so... But while they're home, you need to make sure they respect moms and daddies. And the kids that go wild in here, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not judging. Please, I'm not thinking in my mind. My grandkids come to my house, and we have a type of home that you can come and kind of go wild. It's either you see your grandchildren, they go wild, or you have restrictions, and you see no grandchildren, right? So that's the kind of house we run. You remember going to aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas, and don't touch this, watch out for this, sit here, be still, cross your legs, fold your arms. Kids are to be seen but not heard, right? Remember that? Well, who really enjoyed going to grandma's house or, or an aunt's house like that? So we didn't want to become that type of home. We don't interfere in our children's discipline and our children's grandchildren unless they give me authority to say 
while they're gone or even while they're there, once in a while, I'll ask my daughter-in-law, do you want me to say anything or do I keep my mouth shut? Because when I see sometimes the way kids treat parents, I want to step in and say something, but I just, I got to zip it. And that's a miracle for me to go. <laughs> I love my kids and my grandkids. So, but um, listen, we have to take that seriously. And those are some of the things that we learn about. How do we discipline kids? Now, what about the young? The young our young adults need so much encouragement for the major decisions they're going to make. They're not going to get that in school. They're not going to be taught in school, really, a lot of the schools, how to run a bank account, how to invest, how to get life insurance, how to find someone that they, they need to marry in the Lord, how to buy a home. A lot of these things I didn't learn in school. They're probably teaching that now, aren't they, in school? No. Oh, no, I see. No, okay. Small groups especially those who are leading our small groups. We have one named Angel that has been doing our, our small groups for quite a long time, and I believe they meet on Thursday. Remember 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. He works with the kids. I remember Angel telling and teach, telling me, Hey, I, I taught the kids how to tie. They didn't know how to tie. They didn't know anything about it. He taught them about that. How, how do you, who do you date? No missionary dating. I know some have made it, they, they, they missionary dated, and they made it, but we want to teach our kids not to missionary date. Uh, Lifeway research says two-thirds of college-age kids between 18 and 22 stop going to church. See how important this group is? This group is very important, as well as life together. Well, we have a couple groups uh, that are doing that. I already told you uh, Venice is doing that uh, with the group of girls around that age. Uh, so then uh, uh, we have the young adults with, uh, um, with Angel. And then we have uh, Bond for Life. That's kind of, I put that under the category. Again, I told you some of these groups could go under all the other categories. Uh, with Joanne and Steve, um, Bond for Life, this is a foster adoption support group. They meet once a month. And child care is provided. Listen, these kids are very important. Remember what Matthew, Matthew 19 teaches? Little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. And Jesus said, let the little children come unto me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then James 1.27 teaches us, you, you want a perfect religion? You want to know if you're really religious? If you really, really want to know if someone's a saint, it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so we have... They're, they're doing this. I know there's some families that want to have kids that have not been able to have kids, and we're praying for them, as well as uh, this affords people the opportunity, both that have not had children and those who have had children are, are fostering kids. So we appreciate that ministry. Our church is fulfilling our obligation. We're doing our part to care for the whole. And then, of course, uh, we have our youth ministry. We don't want to forget about Andy. Andy's leading our youth ministry and all the leaders there, and they're making an impact in their lives. Let's give them a nice shout and clap. Hey, some, Andy's doing the job of some of our pa uh, parents, what they should be doing. And then the freedom groups. Freedom does not just mean alcohol, drugs, and sex, right, and rock and roll. It does mean rock and roll too, right, drugs, sex, rock and roll. It, 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 anything that you, you could be a prisoner to... Uh, not forgiving the, the group that we're, I'm going to go next week and to the church and, and, and uh, 
try to find ways I can forgive my wife for all the things she did to me over all these 39 and a half, in the, this teasing, 39 and a half years of unforgiveness. It, seriously, unforgiveness is being in bondage. So it doesn't just mean that you are addicted to something like that. It could be any type of addiction. You want to come and be set free of whatever it is that you're addicted to, a passion. It could be shopping at home. At home. Amazon, can I, can I get it? amen? You, there are some people that are addicted to that. They're bye, 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 bye. My wife, I don't think, does that. But all of a sudden, she disappears in her closet for an hour and comes out, la, la. I'm going to have to check the credit card. First Corinthians tells us about this. This is, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The enemy, I can tell you personally, he will try to put you back in bondage. But you must resist the devil and he has to flee. They will talk about things like that. Remember, 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So good things can become an addiction and become a bad thing. So we teach about that, how you can be set free of those things. And one more on that, Galatians 5, 24 and 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Again, remember, that's the goal, sanctification. None of us have done it perfectly, but we become a part of the church, a part of God's family, a part of small groups. We're encouraged to be this type of person. And then uh, signs of the time, I lead that. Um, signs of the time, <laughs> we met this week. This is a group of people that get together, and we talk about all that's going on. Isn't this is not a politically correct, oh, politically correct crowd. I was cutting myself off there. It's not a politically correct crowd. We talk about all the things that you don't want to talk about in church. And we try to, you know, sift it and see what, what, what's real, what's truthful. And we talk about it so we can apply it to our families, we can apply it to ourselves, and we may apply it to our church. And already, m many of us made some decisions and made some changes in our lives because of what we talk about as a group. Okay. And I think some tough times are coming. I'm not a preacher of doom and gloom, but what's on the horizon right now for a small period of time, it doesn't look good. But Proverbs 2, 6 reminds us, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds a victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. He is, he, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then he said, you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. I do not trust the ungodly world. I want to be around godly men and women who siphon through God's word and find what is truthful. The world is a liar. The government's lie. This is not political correctness. Everyone is lost unless they're saved. I want to be around godly people, and then we can get together, and God will give those people wisdom that the world does not have. Amen? That's the reason for signs of the time. Matthew says, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. He will deceive many. 
For he, you will hear wars and rumors of war, but see to it that you're not alarmed, for such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what there the Lord will come. We've already talked about food in our group. Just think about it. How many of us begin to see empty shelves at the grocery store, at the toy store, or at Walmart, or at Publix, or at uh, your favorite place to shop? Already we're beginning to see some things, and I don't have time to talk to you about that. We talk about such things as that. Therefore, he said, keep watch. We're not to be robots. Whatever the world tells us to do, we do. Where do you use the brain that God gave us between these two temples and apply God's word and look at the situation that's happening out there? It says, therefore, keep watch. We're keeping watch. We're helping the church because you don't know that day or the, the, the day that the Lord will come. And then Proverbs says, a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for. We're not walking in fear with this group. We're learning and educating each other of what's happening out there. Okay, enough about that. That meets on Thursdays, every other Thursday. And then we have outreach groups, which are groups that uh, through these activities, they share the gospel, those who don't know Jesus. They strengthen those who do, and they help young boys and girls become godly adults. through all kinds of activities, and I'm talking about our new, our new small groups, Trail Life and uh, American Heritage Girls. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So these true groups exist and they help, they teach them things that they're not learning in school. I remember what they're learning in Boy Scouts and and, and the Girl Scouts that uh, they used to do that in school. How to tie knots, how to, how to hunt, how to climb up a rope, uh, how to start a... F- we, used to, we used to do workshop in school. Anybody remember the day we did workshops? They don't do that anymore. So I believe that uh, these, I call them right now Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, but it's American Heritage Girls and Trail Life. They teach these things, but the whole organization is saturated, permeated with the Bible and Christian leaders. So if you don't have a place for your daughter, son, granddaughter, grandson... Here's a place that you can sign up, and I believe they meet on every other Tuesday. Is that correct? So that, I, I end with this. These are some of the groups. By the way, we want to raise up more leaders. So if you're interested in starting a small group, and you may not, we may not get you on the schedule until next year, but if you're interested in starting a small group because of an interest, a hobby, Remember, we talked about that a few weeks ago. It could be an activity or it could be a discussion group. Many of these are activity groups like um, Trail Life and American Heritage Girls. Others are discussion groups. If you'd like to start one of those, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, I want us to think about this, though. Every group should care about the widows. We don't want to neglect them. We don't want to become just a young church. We also want to care, care about our senior adults. It's amazing we have a youth pastor here because we care about those young people. Our older people chop liver. 
How come we don't have a senior? Well, I'm kind of a senior adult. I don't think of myself as a senior adult, but I am a senior adult. I'm, a, I'm supposed to be doing it. I need to do a better job. I, I really do. And I need someone to join hands with me. I don't know. I've asked Lil back there a lot of times, how can we reach her community? I, I don't know how the exact way, just like the youth. How, how, how did they get into the schools? It, it's hard to get into the older community, but I'm looking for ways that I can help reach the, the senior adults for Jesus Christ. They are a neglected people, and they're overrun by our government. Some are trying to decide whether they're going to buy bread or buy their next prescription drug, and they're living alone. They're living alone. We need to reach out to them. So Timothy says, give proper recognition to those widows who really are in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice in other words if you have someone in your family a mom if you have a grandmother or an aunt or uncle first line of defense is this the grandchildren or children they should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. See, we got it backwards in our society. We think that the, the grandparents are supposed to take care of their children even after they're older and leave them a great inheritance. Actually, it, the Bible does mention a little bit about that, but that's for another time. But here, this is Scripture also. You need to take care of, of your mama or your daddy or your aunt. The widow who is really in need and left alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions too that, so that no one may be open to blame if anyone does not provide for his relatives. Do we hear that, relatives? If you see a family member in need and you don't help meet that need, it's not the church's responsibility first. That's not the first line of defense. It's your job. And I know so many of you that come from other countries, listening and online here today, many of you not only give to the church, but you give back home. You sacrifice greater than many of us because you see the great need in your country that you left. What an example you are to that. I know Javier teaches me that, and other people from other countries teach me that. Wow, I'm going, well, they're giving here, and they're taking care of their family, and they're sending a chunk of that money overseas. What a great example that they are to us as a church. So we need to take care of that. But in ending, I want to remind two groups that we'd still like to get off the ground. A prayer group, a prayer team, and I'm talking to those online now, a Zoom group. There are many people that cannot get to the church for many reasons. We want to minister to you just like many that when COVID hit us, you had to stay home. We started Zoom. Zoom didn't do great, maybe because it was new to me and new to our church. But we're better equipped now. In fact, we're getting some cameras uh, next week so we can make this, this a little bit better, have more than one angle. We want to minister to you that are watching us online. And if you're interested in leading that Zoom group, please write in the comment section that you're interested in that and you're interested in signing up for a Zoom group. We want to minister to you. That's very important. In fact, one of the things that we're interested in doing is putting a map of where everyone lives in case there's ever a lockdown again. 
that we know where everyone is strategically and we want to have someone within a mile radius that they can go visit. If someone knows how to put that map together, I know you could do it on Google. I, well, I'd like to use something else. But Google, and you can have a map where everyone lives and their, and their information, and then we can line up where that group is at and find a leader in that area because if we ever go to lockdown again or we ever lose our communication, we want to be able to communicate to the people that here are here at Victory Life Church or watching us in Zoom land. Thank you for listening. We went a little bit longer than usual than we usually go, but remember, this was designed for you. This is for you. Please don't just come to church on Sunday. My heart breaks for you that just comes on Sunday. I know nothing about you. You really know very little about me except the stories I tell about my wife in here on church on Sunday. We want to get to know you. If you're new here, I'll hit you at the back door, and I always say my famous line, I visit for food. And I'll tell you what, a lot of people don't let me in their home because of that. <laughs> but I, I want to get to know you. Or Sunday at 9 o'clock, you can come by. I can get to know you during that time. If you visited and you want to know more about the church, you can come on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Or you can come during the week if you have a different crazy schedule. We will sit down and have a talk about this church and your life and how we can meet each other's need. Finally, I say this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're heading for a lot of stuff coming up. You don't want to do this on your own. Acknowledge you're a sinner. Call on Jesus and he will save you. He died on the cross for you. He will cover all your sins with his blood. Everything you've ever done wrong. No one will do that in this life, but Jesus will. Jesus, save me. If you do that, you're here today. Fill out that card in the back. I've just accepted Christ as my Savior. If you're online, fill in the comment section. We'll get back with you. Let's stand at this time. Thanks for your patience this morning as we went a little longer than usual. Let's continue to worship God. Remember, there'll be people around here later on. If you have prayer requests, come to the front after the service. And hey, Pastor, I need you to pray over me. We'll be glad to do that. God bless you. Get signed up today. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.